you know, people who are looking to invest in property definitely have a goal in mind. They may not have clarity over that goal yet or what the plan they need to put in place to get there is. But I think it's really important to, to think about that before you even take the first step of investing into property. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Dashdot Insider, the auditory epicenter for passionate property investors seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. My name is Goose, and on today's show, I'm joined by Cam Seung. He is one of the portfolio strategists we have at Dashdot, and we talked about secrets of effective property portfolio structuring. We talked about all kinds of things, where people go wrong, whether you should be focusing on cash flow or growth, even in the current environment. We talked about how to think about the portfolio of you as a whole, not just the um, individual asset performance. We talked about all kinds of different stuff. Can you get rich off property in the short term? How should you be thinking about it? How does property compare to other assets? Asset classes, lots of really, really good stuff in here to shape your thinking from just buying real estate to thinking about it as a portfolio, uh, which is really, really useful. So I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I'm confident you're going to enjoy it too. And in advance, because I'm so confident that you're going to enjoy it, I would love for you to share this with a friend, family member or loved one, someone who's going to get value out of this and someone who is just going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe you just sent this to me. This is so cool. Because we'd love to help them too. And without any, without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. And I'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to Dash.Insider. Joining me, joining me today is Cam Seong. He's one of our portfolio strategists at Dash.Insider. Cam, how are you going? I'm doing really good. Thanks, Goose. It's great to be here. Really looking forward to providing some insights today. So yeah, lovely to be on the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad to finally have you on the podcast. We were talking just before we got started. I was convinced we had done a podcast together because you've been at Dash Dot for some time now. You're you're almost one of the old guard now. Uh, now that you think about it, and and I was convinced that we'd done a podcast before. And you told me just before we jumped on here, you said never done a podcast. So I'm I'm very excited to dig, to dig in and expose what's going on in that brain of yours. Yeah, looking forward to it. Definitely a long time listener, and yeah, I've been been part of the Dash Dot team for the last two years now. Um, so yeah, hopefully can provide some really good insights of, of my experience here at Dash Dot and prior to Dash Dot as well. Yeah, so. Just on that, um, and you can share as much or as little of your own personal journey as you like, but just to give some context and background, because you, you're actually also a Dashdot client, right? And did that come first? Did you join? To, just to, to walk us through a little bit of that um, understanding for the listener. Yeah, great. Uh, I mean, in terms of property, I always had an interest in property. My wife and I, we invested and dabbled in property a little bit prior to, to working at Dashdot. Knew that it was a good way to build wealth, but didn't didn't understand it as well as probably as, as I thought I did till I started working at Dashdot. So definitely gained a lot of knowledge since working here. But yeah, once I once we joined Dashdot, had a couple of properties prior and then and continued to scale our portfolio once once I started working. Yeah, nice, nice. Love it. So you have been working as a portfolio strategist in the team since we basically created the position and created that department in the business. What's been the biggest learning you've gotten out of that, out of out of now helping God, I don't even know, like how many hundreds of people you might have helped build their build their portfolio plans? What's the biggest learning or the biggest aha that you've taken out of that? Mm, I think there's there's so many goose because every client's going to be different. So when we structure a portfolio, it's not it's not a cookie cutter. It's not like okay, one strategy is going to work for one client. It's not going to be the same for another. So I think the biggest learning is is really trying to understand the client and and work within the environment that we're in at the moment as well. So we're in a little bit more of a tricky environment at the moment with with higher interest rates over the last year and a half. So the big takeaway, the big learning is is coming up with strategies to actually overcome particular clients' uh, objections or particular clients' limiting factors and, and the theory of constraints there as well. So I'm sure we'll dive a little bit back, uh, more into that as well as we go through 
this podcast. Yeah, well, let's get stuck right in because I want to like I want to get straight to the juicy stuff because the biggest issue that I see for property investors is that they don't have a strategy or a plan, right? So seventy one percent of property investors get stuck at the first property, 19, 19 more percent make it to the second, so ninety percent of property investors get stuck at the second property. Now that wouldn't happen if they had a plan so they wouldn't get stuck. Like it's, it's pretty much that simple. Now, some people can do it faster. Some people, it'll take them longer. You know, like everyone's circumstances are the same. But if you've got the ability to see around corners, you've got the, the ability to make sure you don't get stuck. And if more people didn't get stuck, then more people would actually achieve their financial goals through property. Everyone invests in property for the same reason. They want to become financially free. They want to buy back, buy back their time. They want to be able to do what they want, where they want, with who they want. They want all of this stuff, but the real crying shame, like the, the, the unspoken truth in the property industry is that most people never make it. Like statistically speaking, most people don't make it. And so you've got all these people, millions and millions of people who are investing in real estate with this vision of creating freedom, yet only roughly like 1% actually get to a stage where their portfolio is going to create enough wealth to give them that level of freedom, which is crazy, which means 99% of property investors are never going to make it to their goals. And it just doesn't have to be like that. And the only thing that's holding most people back is a lack of having a clear plan and strategy that can that can accurately tell them what to do, where to go, and how to how to navigate things, even when things change. So I want to get right into the meat of this because this is something I'm personally really really passionate about. So what are, what are the, some of some of the kind of like biggest misconceptions that you've seen that people come along when they're thinking about structuring their portfolio or ideas they might have? What what are some of the biggest misconceptions you've seen? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And I think the statistics you gave it's, it's absolutely wild that people are investing in property with an idea that it's going to help them build their wealth, but then they just get stuck because they don't necessarily have a plan in place. And the analogy I kind of like to use in regards to that, it's, it's very similar to going to the gym, right? You go to the gym, if you don't have a plan in place, you might go do some cardio, you might lift some weights, and yes, you might see some results. But at the end of the day, if you do have a plan in place, a gym plan, for example, you're, you're more likely to, to have a better result with a plan in place with some goals set as well and, and trying to achieve that, that plan that you've set. Very similar with, with investing in property. I think we see a lot of clients come through with the misconception that, you know what, I'm just going to buy a property and see how it goes when in reality it's not like that. You know, you could purchase a property and you might have the expectation that it's going to grow and it's going to build your wealth, but you might not necessarily see that benefit if you buy the wrong property or you have the wrong focus in mind. could actually be detrimental, especially with uh, cash flow at the moment as well. So it's a bit, really big one. I think a lot of clients start investing in property necessarily need a plan and they're just going to get into it when I think it's really important to actually have that plan to begin with. I 100% agree with that. It's interesting you use the gym analogy, right? So um, I've started taking my fitness uh, a bit more seriously this year. You know, over the last few years, I've been very focused on uh, growing Dashdot. So I started taking it a bit more seriously this year. I've been working with a personal trainer recently. Now, I have a bodybuilding goal. I've just decided that I want to see what my potential is, like over like a three-year journey I want to like basically want to see how big I can get. Basically, that's, that's about it, right? I want to I want to see how big I can get by the time I turn forty, right? That's sort of my goal, right? Why I think there's heaps of benefits in building muscle and you know all of that kind of stuff, and it's you know and I enjoy the process, but it's really interesting because, um, to your point, so if if someone's goal is just to get some exercise, right? Then great, go to the gym and do whatever. You might do some weights one day, do some cardio the next, or, or whatever. And, and um, but if you've got a specific goal, i.e., you want to become an ultra marathon runner, then maybe deadlifting 200 kilos isn't on the on the it might not be on the goals list. 
And my my um my trainer, he's a he's like a he's a he's a former Olympian and all of this. He's a very very you know high level kind of dude. He points it out to me all the time. The people he sees in the gym, he's like that guy yesterday was doing bodybuilding. Today he's doing boxing, uh, and then the next day he's doing like calisthenics and stuff. He's like, what's the goal? Now I say to my trainer, I'm like, here's the thing: movement is better than no movement. So if they're just doing it to have fun or to kind of like generally be fit then that's totally fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But if they have a specific goal and they don't have a clear plan to execute that consistently, then, 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 then they're doing 100% the wrong thing. Same thing goes with investors. Like if you just want to invest, all right, I'll put some money in real estate and, you know, sort of like whatever happens, happens. And, you know, being in the market is better than not being in the market. And I'll, I'll end up, I'll probably end up better off over the long run. That's totally fine. You know, you don't need a plan. Just have a crack, you know, stick some money in real estate and sit around and do nothing and see what happens in 30 years time. All good. But if you have a specific goal, and if that particularly in this case, if the goal is, you know, freedom, then not having a plan is is the equivalent of just going to the gym and just doing random shit every day, hoping that you're going to achieve some kind of macro outcome. So I think it's a really, really good analogy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you think about property investing and the amount of property investors that are out there, you know, the percentage of property investors who are investing just to give it a crack and see how it goes, it's probably a very small percentage, right? So I think, you know, people who are looking to invest in property definitely have a goal in mind. They may not have clarity over that goal yet or what the plan they need to put in place to get there is. But I think it's really important to, to think about that before you even take the first step of investing into property. Yeah. So just on that, you obviously speak to a lot of people about their goals. How many, do you find that people have clarity around it or is it like pretty vague, like I want to make money or like what kind of fidelity do people arrive with and what, you know, do you have to, yeah, talk to me about that. And my assumption is that most people don't have very much clarity. So I'd love to know like how you, how you help them get clarity as well would be useful. Yeah. I think when it comes to goal setting, it's really important and I think it's it's great to be ambitious when you when you're setting goals, right? You wanna you wanna aim for the stars, but at the same time it's also really important to be realistic. I think for a lot of people who are looking to invest in property, they may not necessarily have that knowledge working in this in, in the industry. They may be first time property investors. They might not actually know what's what's possible. So I think for us it's about providing value as a strategist is it's about providing value based on our experience, one investing in property, but also building hundreds of plans of, of what we believe is actually achievable. And if you've got those really ambitious goals, what do we actually need to put in place to get to those goals as well? Uh, in regards to actual goals, it's really important to be specific on, on those goals as well. And it can sound a little bit cheesy, but actually being very, very granular, you know, what, what you want to achieve. It's not just about generating income, but what does that income actually mean to you? Does that mean working a little bit less, spending more time with family? The reason why that's really important is because the goal that you set might not necessarily or the goal you set from a monetary standpoint may not necessarily uh, result in, or, or may not, sorry, let me rephrase that. The goal you set from a monetary standpoint may not relate to the goal that you want within your lifestyle, right? So a very common goal is $100,000 in 15 years. But if your goal is to only work two or three days a week and spend more time with family, do you really need to get to 100K worth of passive income? Uh, or could you get to $50,000 worth of passive income in a, in a shorter period of time and that allows you to actually get to your goal of, of spending time with your family. 
Yeah, to, I totally love that. That level of granularity makes makes a difference. Obviously, if everyone could click their fingers and magically have all the money in the world and could do it in you know, do it by tomorrow, then then I'm sure they would. But like getting getting clarity around that, that it really specifically is super useful. Because yeah, to your point, if it's like you know, if you're happy to work three days a week, like maybe you can get to that a lot sooner than you know full retirement and. You know, and also like having kind of like net worth goals when maybe what you really mean is cash flow goals. It's like, I want to have a $10 million property portfolio. It's like, okay, cool. Well, what's that going to do for you? Well, I'll, 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 I'll be able to retire on the passive income. Well, not necessarily, you know, like I said, you want, oh, you want to have a cash flow goal. Got it. Got it. Okay. Right. Okay. So now you sort of really get down to it. So talk to me about how you think about, um, growth and cash flow and the different phases of a portfolio and, and how do you kind of typically see that map out? Noting that, you know, most property investors are somewhere between zero and one properties, right? So we already talked about the stats at the start. 70% of property investors get stuck at one property. The single largest cohort of property investors have zero properties. They're the ones that are like sort of trying to get, they're like right at the, they're on the starting line, right? That's the single biggest cohort. So the vast majority of property investors have got zero to one properties. So the rule, most people are sort of in a pretty similar position. Occasionally someone will come along when they've got you know, a big stack of cash, right? Maybe they've had a very successful business or something like that, but they've never invested in property and they're starting from a financially uh, different position. But broadly speaking, most people are going to be starting in a relatively similar kind of spectrum. They're going to be starting from zero, trying to get to somewhere. So how do you think about growth and cash flow, and how do you think about structuring that journey? Yeah, great, great question, Goose. And I think at the end of the day, when we kind of look at structuring a portfolio, we, we want to put that goal in mind as well and how we structure to get there. So at the end of the day, most clients are after some form of cash flow to support their lifestyle, regardless of how that might be. But in order to get to that cash flow goal, we need to take a few steps back and actually think about, okay, how do we get there? And generally speaking, to begin with, we actually need to focus on building capital. We can't just jump into trying to maximize your cash flow from day one because that could really... Yeah, I mean, that could really hinder how you how quickly you can then scale your portfolio moving forward. So a really good example, I think, is um, let's just say, for example, we do buy a cash flow asset to begin with. And let's just take a, a very brief example of a client who has $100,000 worth of, of cash right now, savings rate of $20,000 a year, for example. If we were to focus on cash flow straight away and we use that $100,000 to purchase a, a cash flow asset straight away, you know, and within today's environment, to be completely frank, if you put $100,000 towards a property right now, you'll more than likely be negative cash flow in some capacity. In a, in a, pre, in a, pre, in a pre-tax format, let's, let's be clear. Like, pre-tax format, yeah, 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 pre-tax, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In a pre-tax format, yeah, it, it will be negative cash flow. But what the benefit you'll get from, from investing in a capital growth asset opposed to a cash flow asset is that significant amount of growth within a property. And you can then use that growth to then scale your portfolio moving forward well, if you were to focus on cash flow to begin with, and let's just say after tax, it is positive cash flow in some capacity, that's great. But if there's no growth in that property, you essentially will be, you'll find it very hard to scale your portfolio moving forward. You would essentially be relying on your savings rate. And let's just say for argument's sake, it's $20,000 a year. You would essentially be relying on that savings rate to then scale your portfolio and, and be saving for that next deposit. Well, if we, if we focus on a growth asset, we buy an awesome dash dot property, it grows by 100 grand in the first one or two years. You can essentially drive that equity and be utilizing that equity to scale your portfolio a lot faster than than, than your savings rate. Yeah, that's that's the that's the secret that a lot of people miss. You know, like everyone wants positive cash flow. Now, in a perfect in a perfect environment, every property would grow by twenty percent a year and it produce twenty thousand dollars in cash flow, right? Net cash flow after pre, after tax, everything, right? That'd be great. That'd be awesome. 
But the reality of the situation is that that's not the environment that we live in, right? And so then to contextualize it, you've got to go, where are the constraints in the portfolio, right? So, and there are only three constraints, as you know, there's access to capital, access to cash flow, and access to credit. And most people, from my experience, when they're starting out, they usually have more borrowing capacity relative to their capital. So let's say they've got, you know, a hundred grand uh, in in um, capital, right, in cash to start off with. Let's just say, and they might have a million dollars in borrowing capacity. Well, the reality is, with a hundred thousand dollar deposit, you're not going to be able to go buy a million dollar property, and so therefore you have a surplus of available debt, not a surplus of available capital, because you can't use it all because you've got more debt than you could use based on the amount of deposits and all that kind of stuff you'd need. So accelerating your cap, the capital side of things actually puts you in a position to try and use up more of your debt in a way that isn't going to help it accelerate forward. Does it, have I sort of got that right? you want to add anything to that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, yeah, 100% right. And I agree with everything you're saying, Lee Goose. And I think that the thing to note as well is it's not saying that you will never buy or you'll never focus on cash flow assets. There is a time and a place for that. Only speaking, if we are looking for a majority of clients while looking at start off investing, or they might even have one or two properties, but there's not enough capital within their portfolio yet. We still want to focus on maximizing that capital growth within your portfolio, try to get as much growth within your portfolio as possible. And then down the track, that's when we start to, to focus on cash flow. Mm. Speaking of cash flow, I mean, it's all well and good to say, hey, don't worry about cash flow, just focus on growth, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like at the end of the day, cash flow matters. And like on the day-to-day expense side, in, in a very real sense, the money's got to come from somewhere. So how, like, how important is cash flow, particularly in the current environment? And like, how, does, how are you seeing that map out for clients? Like, talk to us about that in the, in the current reality. Yeah, awesome. Um, I think when it comes to cash flow, a lot of clients think that when we, when we talk about cash flow, it's just purely relating to your investment property portfolio. But I think when we speak about cash flow, it, it, it relates outside of that as well. It relates to a client's personal cash flow situation. So when I refer to personal cash flow situation, essentially the amount of cash that you're happy to contribute towards your property portfolio. So uh, that's not your total savings rate. You know, if your total savings rate is 40 grand, but you're only happy to contribute $20,000 towards property, that's essentially the cash flow out of your, you know, you personally, you're happy to contribute towards property. And that's the amount of cash that would then utilize to scale your portfolio moving forward. Yeah, it's really interesting. Let, let me let me just pick up on that because it's really interesting, right? So, and it's something that a lot of people don't talk about, but it's really worth talking about. Everyone thinks about like the individual performance of an asset rather than the individual performance of the portfolio of you. And eat like people are like, but I work for my money. It's like, yeah, well, actually, what you're actually doing at your job that pays you is you're investing, right? Now you're actually investing for cash flow. You're investing your time for cash flow. That is specifically what is happening when you work your job. And so you have this portfolio of you that consists of uh, one investment that you've got, which is 100% um, sweat-based and it's a high cash flow asset, that's your income. Then you might have other assets. Might You might have some crypto or some shares, which might be, you know, crypto, zero dividends, so zero cash flow, right? So that could be, that could be a growth-based asset. And so thinking about the 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 business of you and the portfolio of you is really really useful because if you look at the PL of your life and you go okay i'm investing 40 hours of my week on this particular investment to go work at you know acme proprietary limited whatever it is and i get paid whatever 100 grand a year of the cash flow that comes from that i have operating expenses of 60 grand a year for example just for the point of the people probably think of this going 
that sounds bananas, but whatever, it's just an example, right? So you've got a, so that means that you've got surplus profit, right? On that investment of $40,000. So then you can then decide how to distribute that profit throughout the rest of your portfolio. It's all cash flow. It's all, it's all working towards a common goal. Like it's all to, to achieve the same outcome. So then you can distribute those profits in amongst other parts of your portfolio, such as real estate and all of that kind of stuff. So thinking about it like that is, actually quite useful because otherwise people think about it like, well, I go work for my money and why is this portfolio taking my money? It's like, no, 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 no. It's all the same stuff. You're just working out how to allocate your capital in your portfolio. And then you're trying to minimize the amount of time that you need to trade your own energy for cash flow. And the only way you can do that is by taking, by doing some of that and then pushing it into other assets. It's useful to think about it like that way. So bringing that context into it, you know, the, the cash flow from the portfolio of you, not just from the property, the property may have negative cash flow of $5,000, but you may have positive cash flow of, of $20,000, which means that you could allocate a portion of the portfolio of you cash flow, i.e. your savings rate, you're prepared to allocate towards property to top up that negative five grand. That's kind of the point you're making? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely the point. And especially in the environment we're in at the moment where interest rates are a little bit higher as well, it's, it's definitely irrelevant conversation I have with a lot of clients. And I think when it comes to your your cash that you're happy to contribute towards property as well, a, a lot of clients are hesitant for it to go towards negative cash flow for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, what you have to realize is your cash that you're contributing towards your overall portfolio, whether it's going towards deposits, whether it's going towards holding a property or whether it's going towards drawing out equity and paying for the plus of equity, at the end of the day, what you're contributing is towards the overall growth of your property portfolio. It's the best allocation of how you allocate that savings rate. Doesn't matter if it goes towards deposits. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it goes towards negative cash flow. What you have to realize is, regardless of where it goes towards, you want to allocate to the best way possible to move your, your portfolio forward. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting, right? Because I, I was actually I had a meeting this week with a um with a guy who's uh his clients are all like super like ultra high net worths like ultra high net worths <laughs> the reason i was meeting with him is he's like hey i've got all these clients they've got like you know all these piles of cash and they're sort of saying like hey what should we do with it you know and the interesting thing in that conversation is that that um unprompted you know the the guy i was talking to is like that he's like a wealth advisor and he's like realistically the single best thing they can do with their money is to put it in real estate so it's really interesting you know, because, you know, and we discussed it at length, but it's like you could put it in shares. You might have a good year where you get 16% or whatever. And you might get really lucky or whatever, but, but broadly speaking, you're going to get about 7% return on your capital. Okay. Well, that's not that great. Um, you could put it in crypto, but, you know, that's mostly pretty much just gambling, right? Um, but putting it in, putting it into, you know, the, the only really the two options, right? The two options where you can kind of like really make a difference with your capital is, angel investing like if you can get into a small company where you can invest directly in the business where you believe in the company and but you know th there's a chance that that could end up being a really good investment um because most of the high net worths have founded a company or done something like that so if you can get into a, a company early on and it's successful it's high risk but you know the risk adjusted return might be right but because of the risk adjusted profile the best thing you can do is put it in leveraged real estate right because you you you, you can't get a more consistently better return profile. You may get a better return on one stock once, but you can't consistently get such a good return profile. So thinking about that contribution, as you say, of like, where are you putting your money? I think about that all the time. I hate cash. I, I, I have almost no savings. I'm like, I don't want savings. I want my money just, it comes in the door, it goes out the door. 
And so people are thinking about like, hey, I've got this money. Where should I put the money? Is this a good place to put it? Why would it? It's like, where else are you going to put it? You're going to put it in like, like going out for. I believe in living life, right? So you got to go out for dinner. You got to do nice stuff. But at some point, you got to trade it off. You got to go. Okay, do I want to buy that steak and get a you know a, a one hour return on value of that? I buy the steak. I eat the steak. That was good. Nice steak. Or do I take that same money? Obviously, you come. You're going to have multiple stakes to have a house deposit. You get the idea, but get a but get a you know a 60, 70, 80 percent return on that. It's like, well, I mean, maybe I don't want the stake that much. You know what I mean? And so thinking about that, thinking about the return profile of the capital as it comes in is a really, really useful context as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where the planning comes into to effect as well. And so I think it's a really big part of it, right? And not to not to promote mind services as strategists, <laughs> but I think it's it's a really big part of it because what we try to understand from our client's perspective is is how can we invest in property without without pushing outside your bounds from a, a cash flow perspective. So you know finding out how much you're actually happy to contribute. And if if that amount you're happy to contribute is an amount that you want to sacrifice a little bit from a lifestyle perspective, awesome. But let's acknowledge that. But if it's an amount that you want to set aside because you don't want to affect how you live your life, awesome. Let's let's plan based on that as well. So I think a plan is really important in that sense because if you were to go out and just randomly buy property, you might be left with, you know, let's just say you have three properties and the interest rates have increased a little bit. You may be in a position now where you do, you may potentially have to, have, you know, change your lifestyle because of that because you haven't planned for, for that occurring. Yeah, totally. What about people that think that they can get rich off property short term? What do you think about that? Um, I mean, what is short term though, Goose? I mean, I think that's <laughs> well that's on, a quanta, quanta, on a quantum galactic level. You know, the whole you know we are just one split second in the in a universal time construct. But <laughs> but for like, what about people that are like, you know, I want to be able to retire in the next twelve months or two years or like, what do you think about people like that? That like that they just think they can they can suddenly. Just because I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I first invested in property, because I had zero idea how it worked, I just saw like friends, parents, and stuff that bought properties um, for like seventy grand, and then they were worth two and a half million. And now I didn't think about the fact that thirty years had elapsed over that period of time, or whatever, but fifty years maybe, or whatever it was. But but I was like, okay, so you just buy property, you just buy real estate, and then all of a sudden you're financially free, pretty much. Like like pretty much. And I I didn't really think much more into than that. So I think there's probably a lot of people out there who have a kind of a shorter term view on it where they're just like, okay, so I invest. And so when do I, when do I get to retire? How, how do you think about people that have got a short-term mindset on this? Yeah, for sure. And, and again, I think this, this comes down to each individual client. So for some clients, sure, you can have a short-term goal in mind because uh, they may have heaps of capital available. But you know, generally speaking, for most clients, there is going to be a stage in your portfolio where you are going to be potentially negative cash flow for you know, a period of time as you accumulate some really good growth assets. And that period of time could be anywhere from two years all up to five to seven years, depending on how quickly you want to move. But I guess the general general rule, and a lot of before, but property doubles in value every seven to ten years, right? So as Dasha, we try to outperform that, and we do outperform that. But if you use that as an indicator in terms of timeframes of how quickly property increases in value and, and how much wealth you can generate through property, that that provides you with a realistic view. And as I said before, the most common thing is 100K worth of passive income in 10 to 15 years. Well, that's probably going to take anywhere from five to 10 properties to achieve that. So, I mean, property, it is one of those things where it does take a little bit more time. It's not as volatile as crypto is where 
you can put some money in crypto and wake up the next day with double the amount of value. It's not going to be like that. Or none of the value. Or none of the value as well. Yeah, that's right. So with property, it's not something that you're going to buy, settle, and then the next day wake up and have it double in value. But in terms of you know getting rich in the short term, all I can say is you will be in a better position in a short time frame. But the longer time you can hold on to property, and the longer time you can invest into property and spend time in the market, the better position you will be long term. Yeah, I also think it's a, it's a matter of perspective as well, right? Because one of the things that people don't like about all, the the people who aren't informed investors in real estate, they do think, oh, it's slow and you buy a property and you wait 30 years and, you know, and, and so it doesn't feel very exciting. I spoke, I've spoken to loads of particularly business owners that share this point of view. They're like, it's confusing because you have no idea how it works and it's slow and it's kind of just like a savings account. It's kind of how a lot of people think about it. Yeah, it'll probably go up. But it really depends on your perspective because, you know, if you can invest 100 grand and then make 100 grand in 12 months, which is not uncommon, right? And when I say make, what I mean is not like cash flow into your bank account, but like growth and all of that kind of stuff. So you can turn 100 grand into 200 grand in sort of 12 months. Of course, not every time. And that's not financial advice and do all of that kind of stuff, right? But, but that's pretty wild. Now, you might not be able to go and spend that 100 grand and go buy a car right? Because it might be in a property. So it depends on your perspective. Because if you're looking at your portfolio value and your net worth, you can tr- that can be transformative. You know, a lot of people can make significantly more than their annual income just in increases in net worth every year just by investing in one or two properties. So if you're, if you're in a position where you're earning 100 grand a year and you're able to make, you know, over a three-year period, five five six hundred thousand dollars worth of equity in your portfolio obviously through buying multiple properties and, and whatever not just buying one that's wild you know like to, to say to someone hey in three years would you like to make an extra six hundred thousand dollars for example that's crazy so so to a certain degree you can get rich quick um it's just not the kind of get rich quick that people think of when they're like oh i'll wake up tomorrow and i'll be a millionaire and i'll go buy a lambo no no it's not like that and a lot of people get stuck on this the gains piece as well. It's like, well, oh, oh, well, have you really made it? You know, because if you can't go spend it, have you really made it? And it's like, well, it's the same thing with shares, right? So if I invested 100 grand in shares, and let's just say I got really lucky, and in 12 months that had doubled and they were worth $200,000, I can't walk down to the shop with my share portfolio and say, hey, can I have a bag of chips? Look at my shares. They'll say, you're an idiot, sell some of them and then give me the money. That's what they're going to want, right? And so a lot of people get stuck on this, like the returns. They're like, Oh, well, you can't count that as a return because it's it's just equity in the property. It's like, yep, that's literally what your share portfolio is, equities, right? And so, so it's kind of funny perspective that in order to realize the gain, you're going to have to do something. When benefits in real estate, you can you can potentially refinance it or, or do, there's mul- are actually multiple ways to get it out. With shares, you can leverage it. It's much higher risk because of margin calls, but typically you've got to sh- sell the shares. And so to at least some degree, you might even have more liquidity in real estate than in shares to a certain, to some degree, right? Obviously, you know, you can sell your shares a lot easier. So there's an argument to say that even on the short term, you can build wealth significantly faster in real estate. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a good way that you put it. And I think it is, it's good to frame it that way as well, comparing it to, to shares. And I think yeah, absolutely, you can definitely build wealth within within property within that you know that shorter time period. But it's just important for clients to understand that that wealth is held within your portfolio. So mm-hmm. you may not be necessarily benefiting from a cash flow perspective, and that will come right. That's definitely going to come when, when you structure your portfolio correctly. But you're still improving your position significantly to to what you were when you when you first started investing in property. Yeah, agreed. I think as much as as much as anything, it's about the mindset of it. So. 
Sure. Let's say you invested in real estate and you made $100,000 uh, in growth in the first 12 months. Cool. So what are you going to do? Sell all your properties and go spend the 100 grand and start again? No, you compound it, right? So you stack wins on wins on wins. And so even though you, you can fairly quickly, fairly quickly, this is not a get rich quick scheme, but fairly quickly accelerate your wealth position, that doesn't mean you should be thinking short term. You should be thinking long term. You should be thinking, okay, well, that's cool. If I can do that in one or two or three years, I wonder what I could do over the next five or 10 years. How might that be different? Because it's an, it's an exponential curve. It's not linear. And this is where a lot of people go wrong in their thinking as well. They think it's linear. They think they just stack one win on top of another win and it, it stacks up in a very linear fashion, but it actually compounds. And so what you get is an exponential rate of return. So your cash flow goes exponential. Your growth goes exponential. All of this kind of stuff over time. That's where, so to, to at least some degree, obviously there's market timing considerations and whatever, but at least to at least some degree at a portfolio level, the longer you can stay in the game without realizing the gains, right? The bigger the gains are going to be when you do realize and the whole kind of idea of delayed gratification. Um, so yeah, I'm certainly not advocating for people to think short term. They should definitely be planning for that kind of optimal position of how do I get to my goal in the fastest time, but not you know, but not cut myself short and all of that kind of stuff. In your experience, what's the, based on obviously everyone's circumstances are different. What's the fastest you've been able to see a plan work for someone that they'll be able to get from wherever they are to whatever their goals? And inversely, what's the longest based on what you've seen or what you've worked on? Yeah, great question, Goose. I think shortest term plan I've created is probably within a five-year time period. Uh, so we're able to, to smash the client's goal within five years. Their circumstances very different. Uh, business owners had a lot of capital already available and, and they wanted to, to wrap up the business and then support, um, you know, support their retirement at that point. Uh, for, for generally speaking, for, for other clients, we like to work towards a, a 10 to 15 year time frame. I think we can get clients into a really, really good position within the 10 to 15 year time period. Uh, a lot of clients will come to me and they're like, you know what, Cam, I want to get to exposition within, you know, eight to 10 years. And then, um, and I showed them the plan essentially working towards 10 to 12 years. And they're like, wow, that's a, a massive difference just waiting an additional four years to, to the position I can get to. Right? So it's like we can get to your goals within you know, X amount of time, but if we can smash your goals and only take a couple of extra years, is it worthwhile that trade-off? And obviously each client's going to be different there as well. Yeah, love it, love it. Um, are there any kind of like common mistakes that you see people like, like I'm interested here because we've talked about some really good concepts in here, but like, what are some of the mistakes you see you've seen people make when they haven't structured their portfolio correctly? I think the biggest mistake, and I've definitely made this mistake within my own portfolio, having a shorter term view, is it's focusing on cash flow a little bit too early. And um, definitely during the, the low interest rate environments, we were purchasing properties with really good cash flow. And I, I specifically remember this because we went and bought a property based on the fact that the cash flow was really good. And there was another area that I was looking at that point in time. Where I'm like, you know what? I think that area is an absolute screamer, but I'm not going to purchase it because the cash flow was slightly negative at the time. And now I, I look back after a year, I'm like, crap, I should have purchased in that area because the amount of growth that, that has happened there at region in South Australia has been phenomenal and it's going to continue to increase as well. Well, that purchase that I did that was positive at the time is obviously now a little bit negative and it hasn't grown as much. So I think that's a big one is is not focusing on cash flow so early on within your portfolio, uh, definitely taking that that longer term approach and focusing really on, on that capital growth and, and trying to build your wealth as much as possible through growth, especially early on. Uh, another thing is obviously not having that goal as well and purchasing the wrong property. 
uh, which we touched on. And then I think another really big one is, you've mentioned this before, Goose, it's a game of finance with some property chucked in there, right? So I think it's really important to seek professional advice. Definitely have a, you know, have a chat with an accountant, get that financial advice from a structuring standpoint, have a really good broker, and then also consult with uh, your property growth partner as well in regards to what's the best way moving forward and what sort of properties to be purchasing to, to structure your portfolio correctly. Love it. Uh, final question, what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about investing in property but is maybe sitting on the fence because they're like, oh, I don't know, interest rates, is is the economy going to crash? You know, like, you know, somebody sitting, sitting there and they're a little bit concerned. What, what's your take on the current set of circumstances and what advice would you give? <laughs> That's a really good question. I have this conversation a lot, Bruce, not just with clients but with friends as well. I think a lot of people my age uh, have a hesitation to invest in property for whatever reasons and I think we've it's been discussed in the podcast prior why people, uh, you know, young adults or people within 20 to 30 have a hesitation to invest in property. Uh, and there are those concerns from from an environment standpoint of, you know, is, it, is the market going to crash? And just based on the data and tech that we have, I, I really don't think it's going to, and obviously not financial advice. But I think a lot of the areas that we're purchasing in do have really good growth drivers and I'm very confident in purchasing one minimized risk because of that data and tech we also try to manage the cash flow sides of things as well uh, especially within today's environment to not put our clients at, at um, too much risk so i mean in terms of if you're sitting on the fence to invest sitting on the fence to invest in property i still think property is still a great investment to make right now and and we have plenty of clients investing in property and still doing really well through investing in property yeah, love it. Love it. Cam, this has been awesome. So much fun. Really appreciate your time and your insights. Awesome. No worries, Chris. Appreciate being on the podcast. Hopefully, I was able to provide some value to, uh, to some listeners as well. I'm sure it's been valuable. If it's been valuable and you're on a platform where you can leave comments like YouTube or something like that, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought. And of course, make sure you share this with a friend, family member, or loved one. There's a lot of good value in here for anyone thinking about how to build their property portfolio in the current environment. Guys, until next time, we'll see you soon.